Hoop ballers. Let's talk about your balls. Yep, your balls and the area around them. Let's talk about manscaped.com. Go there and use promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Use the promo code and go check out all the tools they have of trimming the hedges and taking care of your lawn. Like the Lawn Mower 3.0 with a built-in LED light to help you get into those dark thigh crevices on the inner parts. Also, the Gooch. It is hard to get to the Gooch if you can't see it. So use the LED light with the anti-tugless technology on the razor. Full, long battery life. Then check out the Weed Whacker. Bring that out of the shed. Use it on your shrubs. Cut down what you need down to bare minimum if you need to. It's got a nice anti-tugless technology just like the Lawnmower 3.0. It's also got a lithium battery. And best news of all, these things are waterproof. So that way you can do it in the shower and take care of business in the cleanest way possible. Hoopball20 is the promo code that's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. I recommend using it. I recommend getting the complete care kit with your free shipping and your 20% off. Spend a little extra, get a lot more. There's a good care kit there for us gentlemen. Face scrub, shampoo, ball treatment, and the area that surrounds our balls. I believe there's even a pair of underwear in there for our balls. So yeah, that's going to conclude the talk about our balls. Now let's talk about bets. MyBookie.ag is where all the hoop ballers take care of their winnings and where we place all of our wagers that we post in our article in the wager pass as well as our free plays and our Discord chats. Yes, MyBookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Let them know that we sent you. Hell, specifically type in my name. I want them to know. But most importantly, you got to let them know what podcast that is. And it is Today in Sports Betting. You let them know that we sent you. And then we, as a family, get to grow. And then we get to set you up to reap more benefits. And that is what's important to us because we are here to help you win money. And that is why we recommend my bookie. Their slogan is bet, win, get paid. And it's quite simply that easy. Use Bitcoin to get going. That's a high recommendation of VM Center at Vince Miracle, our guy. It's a recommendation of me. It's so easy. Dan Bespris, the podfather, Aaron Bruski, the godfather, they get in there, they get going with Bitcoin, they get their money in and out, and it's easy peasy. Who balls the promo code? Use that. Let them know that we sent you mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Now, as a podcast, we have your balls and your bets covered. And without further ado, We have today in sports betting. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop ballers, welcome back to another episode. 
and another edition of Today in Sports Betting. I am your host, Devin Ellington. We're at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. Don't forget to go check out the rest of the guys, the crew over on Hoopball Gaming, at Hoopball Gaming on Twitter. Hoop-Ball.com is where you're going to find all the brand new member loyalty packages that we put together. I don't like to harp on the premium stuff, which my boss probably wouldn't like to hear with the whole sales side and all that good stuff, but Hoop-Ball.com has a lot more free content to offer you than we do that we try to charge you for. So there's that. And I'm not a podcast host that sits there and just talks about the premium content over and over and throughout the duration of the show. Go to hoop-ball.com, check out some of the free stuff, look at the information that we provide you, let that decide if you want to come and join the Hoopball family in a larger sense. So the Discord servers are the hangout spots that I love to be in. I love the followers and the folks that we got in there. The MLB channel is always fun. We got lots of college football stuff coming up. So with that being said, I'm going to segue into who we're going to have on the show today. And it's a show that I'm thoroughly excited for. I love my small conference schools. And this gentleman sees a lot of it. He's very savvy and has some great information and nuggets to dish today. This is an interesting team we're going to be talking about today that is going under the radar, in my opinion. We're going to be talking the FIU Panthers. That's right. Florida International Panthers playing out of Ricardo Silva Stadium. I had to go out and find me a good host. I was listening to my the podcast that I love to listen to for college football prep. Heard Eric on the show with... Kobe Dant and the college football experience. So without further ado, today's guest, we're going to have the co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty, FIU beat writer, and the Conference USA podcast host for SB Nation, also a part of the Football Writers Association of America, if I might add, located in Tampa and Southern Florida, Tampa, Miami, in that area, Eric Henry. Eric, I am stoked for this one, boss. How are you doing, bud? Welcome on. Man, first off, Devin, appreciate you having me on. And I don't know that I'm necessarily worthy of that uh, that intro, but I will take it. I certainly will not turn it down. But yeah, man, I know for the, uh, for the listeners at home, I'll kind of give you a peek behind the curtain. It's been a bit of a, what would you want to call it, Devin? You know, it's kind of playing internet tag, Twitter tag. I, I, we can't call it phone tag, but we've definitely been kind of working with each, working with each other, excuse me, to make our schedules work for this. And I'm just glad we could carve out some time here on this beautiful Saturday afternoon to talk a little FIU football, a little Conference USA football. Absolutely. It was a little hodgepodge of a demented game of like freeze tag, internet tag, <laughs> and all the associated tags. That's for dang sure. <laughs> but yes, well, about that. FIU football will be the theme today. And I'm looking forward to it, man. I, what I'm also looking forward to, and this is selfish of me, but uh, really, really, I'm familiar with your work. Uh, you know, like I told you off air and what I'll probably say a couple more times on air, you know, the, 
the guests that I have come on the show, it's because A, I respect y'all. B, I really appreciate the content that's being put out by y'all. And C, I just want to say that I've talked to you. So, <laughs> uh, the fact that you were able to come on the show, I'm appreciative of. And, you know, I'm just really looking forward to hearing more about yourself. So for the listeners, you know, if I might have missed something or I didn't dump the whole can of beans out, you know, for the listeners, uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about your background, man. How'd you get, uh, I mean, you, you're a UCF grad, Northwestern U grad, you know, you do the Shula Bowl pod and all that good stuff. I mean, you're a busy guy, so give us some insight. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Wow. Well, um, no, I, I uh, uh, you know, being on this side of the realm, it's always a little bit embarrassing to talk about yourself. So first of all, just say again, I, I appreciate the compliment in terms of um, being a fan of the coverage, you know, Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation, uh, Underdog Dynasty, for those of you who may not know, may not be familiar with our site, it is SB Nation's home for group of five football coverage. So we primarily cover the American Conference, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, Independence, FCS, given the news of kind of the Big 12 over the past few days, who knows, you know, what schools may or may not be in those conferences coming up in the next few years. But Don't get me started, uh, Eric. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> same here, same here. But no, that's where you can primarily find my work. And I, no, I mean, I think you, you pretty much covered it. You know, I uh, am a UCF grad. I'm an undergraduate degree from UCF. And then um, also Northwestern as well, uh, in terms of my, uh, my background there. Um, and I've been writing, let's see, what is this, my fifth year, fifth year with underdog dynasty SB nation, you know, I've done a little bit of broadcast work. Uh, I've, I've been around the horn a little bit, you know, yeah. so uh, it, it, again, you know, it, we're, we're not trained to talk about ourselves, but um, uh, no, I've been covering FIU and conference USA for five years. And it's definitely been a, a labor of love as someone who attended at the time. I mean, I graduated UCF 2015. Uh, they've been an American, we'll see when I got to UCF, they actually were, were conference USA final two years were, were in conference, excuse me, my first two years at UCF, it was the final two years of conference USA and, and that affiliation then transferred over to the, the American conference. So I have been a keen observer of the quote unquote group of five conferences for a while now. And it, it's always been fun to kind of spotlight those schools. And I have the pleasure to cover, um, a program that's, you know, really kind of had some success over the past few years with, with Butch Davis, um, obviously, the last two years weren't the type of years that they would have wanted, but overall, it's been fun. I, I, I would say my passion is with the uh, group of five schools. Not saying that I, I wouldn't love the opportunity down the road to cover, you know, a, a Michigan or Alabama or what, you know, whoever the journey takes me. But um, I do enjoy covering the the group of five schools. And and, and honestly, Devin, um, if I, I will say this, I won't, you know, try to 
toot my own horn, but I'll say in terms of the, the athletes at this level, for the most part, you know, they're very appreciative of the coverage. You know, it, it's, this is the way I like to describe it. It is uh, imagine if you're a, a college athlete and you play your game there at, you know, let's say you play a noon game, right? You, you, you play, you're back in your dorm or your apartment by five, six o'clock. And, you know, you may have scored a couple of touchdowns and, and you check out the, the role of highlights and you don't even see a mention of your game, right? All you see is the, the lead up for the Alabama game or the Michigan game or the Oklahoma game. And, and that can be demoralizing for some of these kids. So I will sure. say the one thing that I take away from it is at this level of, of college football, the kids are very appreciative of the coverage and, and they have great stories to tell as well. So it's been a pleasure to tell those stories over the past five years. Yeah, there are so many just phenomenal athletes within these, you know, like you said, and I don't mean it in a disrespectful way at all when I say smaller conference or small sure. school um, group of five, you know, but I've always had, like you said, a keen interest. I, you know, I always remember rooting for the Boise State's, you know, in 07 and then the Northern Illinois uh, against, I think it was Florida State or Notre Dame that they ran into in their New Year's Six Bowl a few years back, about 2013. But yeah, just to piggyback your point, I love, love these kinds of schools. And it's awesome to see uh, a mirroring passion come from you and your work. And without further ado, man, how, how about we tear into some of this uh, Panthers football team and start digging in some nitty gritty stuff here, boss? Yeah, man, let's get into it. Awesome. So Butch Davis is the coach and uh, he's going on year five now. He's hit his 15th year overall as a coach. And for those of you unfamiliar, I mean, Butch Davis had some run uh, as a you know, coach in the NFL. He coached other big programs in college. He's got nine offensive returning starters and nine defensive returning starters. And look, they went 0-5 last year in a weird COVID year. I, I feel that last year could definitely be chalked up as like a blip or like a fluke. I mean, last year was just so odd for so many teams. And uh, I think this year is a good track year for Butch Davis. Uh, got some good transfers in, got a dynamic player and Devonta Price, the senior running back. So what group are you most excited for coming into this season? Sure. Well, first, let me start in terms of last year and talk about the COVID challenges. And for those of your listeners who may not be familiar with FIU in terms of last year, they mentioned they went 0-5 a winless year. They played the fewest amount of games of any team in Conference USA between them and Charlotte. It felt like it's funny. We just came off a Conference USA media days and Coach Healy there at Charlotte played six games. And he spoke about how it just was from week to week, day to day, you're you can't even focus on practice and trying to prep your team for a game because you're so focused on what's the COVID situation. Are we going to play it, you know, and it's kind of, it's, it's really difficult to prep a team uh, to play a football game when you're spending half of the week wondering what the travel situation is going to be, how many players are going to have, can you even install a game plan with this group of tight ends or this group of linemen or this group of linebackers, not knowing who or who, isn't going to be eligible to play. And FIU was certainly affected by that. So I'll kind of give you a quick story here before I jump into, you know, your question in terms of groups being excited about the two things can really kind of sum up the FIU football season. The first story I'll give is opening week against Liberty. They didn't have their first practice in pads until 11 days before that game. And 
when you talk about in terms of just the overall availability of bodies, eight days before that game, they had defensive linemen practicing at offensive linemen just so they could get a full five on five scrimmage. So, excuse me, five on five scrimmage. I'm thinking basketball. Sorry about that. Well, I just got off the Olympics. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. They can get, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm rooting for Team USA here. So they can get a full 11 on 11 scrimmage. That's not a recipe for success. And then you couple that with the fact that that Liberty team was really good last year. <laughs> for those of you who I'm assuming do know that, but for those of you who don't, they, they had a hell of a year last year. And FIU pushed them to within two points. So this goes to show you of any game that was probably most indicative of what FIU team you might get in 2021, it's that Liberty game. Because after that, Devin, here's the second story I'll transition to give you. The fourth game of the year, they play FAU. It's the rivalry game. It's the Shula Bowl game. They have it at home. The configuration of the stadium at FIU due to COVID, of course, they had the seating restrictions. So, you know, fans are spread out and whatnot. And students, they had the student section kind of cornered off, right? They didn't want the student population intermingling with general population and whatnot. So that student section was actually reserved for players who weren't playing because they didn't want them down the field if, you know, it was a COVID situation or whatnot. It got to a point, Devin, when you looked in that student section, I counted one by one by one. There were 17 guys who weren't in uniform for that FAU game just based on injuries alone. So that goes to show you how banged up they were in addition to players who weren't eligible because of COVID. So if you want to take anything away from last year, it's that they just didn't have enough healthy bodies by the time they got to the fifth and final game, which was Western Kentucky. So I'll just, you know, for for those of you listening in terms of wondering what to make of their 2020, in terms of 2021, and you asked what groups am I excited about, you got to start with Devontae Price, right? I mean, Devontae truly was one of the few bright spots in, again, what was otherwise abysmal year. He rushed for an average of 116.2 yards per game. And the reason I start with that number instead of his overall yards that he had, I believe that number was 581, if memory serves me correct. FIU again only played five games. So if, if Devontae is able to keep that average for the entire year, and that was second in Conference USA behind Sincere McCormick's 130 per game, Devontae Price would have rushed for almost 1,500 yards. The exact number was 1,494 that he would have rushed for had FIU played an entire 12 game season. And when I spoke to Devontae for Conference USA Media Days, he truly believes that he's the best running back in Conference USA. And again, for, for your listeners who may not be familiar, you're talking about a conference that has Sincere McCormick, who was second in the nation in rushing last year. Again, if memory serves me correct. Mm-hmm. So Devontae is truly an exciting player. I mean, he has all of the tools that you'd look for in the vision, breakaway speed, good receiver out of the backfield. I mean, Devin, you can go back to the 2019 year. And uh, I remember when FIU opened the year against Tulane, one of Tulane's assistant coaches told me post game that, yeah, we were surprised we didn't see more of Price because we thought he was the team's best back. And that was including a roster that had guys like Anthony Jones, and Napoleon Maxwell, both of whom spend time in NFL camps. That just goes to show you, you know, how highly regarded Devontae is. Once you get out of the receiver room, I think you got to kind of take a look at the secondary. I mean, FIU secondary has been good for the past, really since Bush Davis got there in 2017. Everything starts with the Dames twins, Richard and Richard Dames, a pair of twins out of Miami. They've really been just a constant back there in the secondary since 2018. If, if you're looking at conference, we'll say defensive backs. I mean, Richard's probably in your top five to seven corner, five to seven safeties, excuse me. And Richard's probably in your top six to eight, six to 10 cornerbacks. So it starts with those guys. Dorian Hall is a six, five, 210 pound safety. So first off, great size. 
uh, really rangy safety. In the past three years, Pro Football Focus has had Dorian Hall as one of their top-rated safeties in Conference USA. Josh Turner, the Iowa transfer. They have Henry Gray, a former four-star recruit, who had signed with Nebraska but then decided to come home. So, I mean, they're just littered with talent in the secondary. And I'll give you one more group to be excited about, and that's the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They are somewhat inexperienced. They're kind of shuffling some guys in with the graduations of – or I should, well, I should say graduation of Shane Magoo. And then De'Antoni Demery chose to um, not take advantage of the additional year that was provided by the NCAA. But O-line coach Joel Rodriguez is really excited about the guys he has there. They got Dante Keyes was with the program last year from North Carolina A&T, and he was considered a pro prospect, which is the reason he made the jump from the FCS level to the FBS level. Of course, the five-game season didn't help him in that sense, so he's back for another go-around. You look at Lindell Hudson on the right side, really one of the most, uh, I would say, from the time he entered college, and he's considered a redshirt sophomore again because of the NCAA rules. You know, you, you get the additional year, so last year was kind of a mulligan. So in, in football years, he would be a redshirt junior. But um, from the time he got to FIU to now, just in terms of his improvement, he's got all the physical tools that, you know, again, Coach Rodriguez said in terms of, of, of Lindell, he can be as good as he wants to be. And I, I think that's certainly a, a, a testament to, you know, kind of his potential. So that offensive line really has the opportunity to spring holes for Price and the other backs there. And again, you know, there is reason to be optimistic around this 2021 FIU football team, but it's going to come down to a group I did not talk about, and that's the quarterbacks. Yeah, they. Uh, I was looking over the quarterback room, and I'm sure you've heard this joke a million times, but Max Bortenschlager, like his last name just sounds like you would take a shot of it, you know? Um, Goldenschlager, Bortenschlager, something like that. But this I, – I love – Okay, so the the offensive line, I'm glad you touched on that because this group, that group was the most damaged group last year due to COVID and the injuries that we alluded to or that you alluded to. And the coaches, I I saw some interesting stuff in the coaches, but we we can talk them after the uh, slingers. Let's talk about this quarterback group. What what dynamic of it has you so excited? Is it the pairing with – the running back group and the experience or, uh, you know, just the overall potential. Well, and, and to be clear, I'm not necessarily saying that I am excited. That's not to say that I'm down on the quarterbacks either, sure. but it's very much going to be a wait and see, you know, the groups that I gave you, I think there is more, you've seen more evidence of them either, whether it was Devonte having the success that he had in 2020 um, the longstanding success of the secondary or the fact that the offensive line really from top to bottom, this has a chance to be one of the, one of the better groups, in my opinion, in conference USA, the quarterbacks are a wait and see, right. And you talk about max and yeah, I've, I've absolutely heard that, that line about his last name, uh, it, believe it or not, it's actually one that's not that hard to pronounce once you kind of get it in Bortenschlager for those of you scoring at home, he's a transfer from Maryland, you know, Maryland being a big 10 school, still hard for me to fathom Maryland, the big 10, I think in the ACC, but that's mm. another conversation, another podcast, <laughs> Started nine games, played in 10 at Maryland, uh, 2017, got the bulk of his experience, and he played fairly well. You know, I think the team went three and six in his starts, I believe. And also, he was helped by the fact that he had DJ Moore, of course, who was a first-round pick with the Carolina Panthers. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're grading Max's performance at Maryland, you do have to take into account that he had uh, for a future first-round pick that he was throwing the ball to, but looked fairly well, right? And after that, the thing that kind of hampered him was just injuries. Injuries, offensive coordinator changes, head coach changes, and he decides to drop down or excuse me, make the change, I should say, 
make the uh, the switch to FIU. He comes in, it's a COVID year. He's coming off an ankle injury, doesn't get a chance to rehab it, doesn't get an offseason program with the receivers, your, your coordinator, and he's kind of thrown to the wolves there. And you could say the same thing about all the quarterbacks. But to kind of finish my point on Max, I don't want to say, I mean, Max threw something like 30-something passes last year. I believe he went 18 to 36, if memory serves me correct. But you saw some evidence that Max Bortenschlager the things that the coaching staff liked about him in terms of his smarts, his ability to make throws, you saw small bits of it, but in the Gabriel Pope's numbers are 22 or 48. So clearly, you know, not a huge sample size, but you saw enough to say, okay, let's try to let's, let's kind of put this year behind us. We think with a full off season in the program, we can at least at bare minimum get what we saw out of him at Maryland. And in my opinion, Devin, if you can get that from the quarterback position, the rest of it will take care of itself because there are playmakers at tight end, at receiver, at, at running back, as we mentioned. Uh, so that's with Max. If you talk about, and again, this is going to be a quarterback competition, again, for, for your listeners who aren't familiar, there are four guys in this in this competition. It's going to be Max Bordenschlager. It's going to be Kalen Wiggins, who is very much a different quarterback. Kalen's a dual threat. He spent the majority of his career backing up James Morgan, who, of course, is a fourth-round pick with the New York Jets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The thing with Kalen, he's only attempted something like 59 passes in his career. So you don't have enough of a sample size to say this kid can't hack it at the FBS level as a quarterback. What you can say is that in the small sample size you have seen him, his development as a passer, you need to see further progress. That you can absolutely say. But to say whether or not, you know, and, and there's been some – talk amongst FIU fans is, oh, we've seen enough of Kalen, put him at receiver. I don't think that's fair. Uh, you just, you can't judge a quarterback off of 50 something passes and say he, he can't get the job done, but his development does need to improve. Uh, but as a rusher, he holds the F, excuse me, he holds the FIU pro- program record for rushing yards in a game by a quarterback, 187 set against New Hampshire two years ago. So that kind of speaks to his ability with his legs. And then you got the wild cards here. You have redshirt freshman Hayden Carlson, who, is really highly touted prospect, a three-star prospect out of Tampa, Florida, son of former NFL quarterback Jeff Carlson. So he has all the physical tools. And Butch Davis said to us after spring signing day, the early signing period, that had FIU played a few more games, got into eight, nine, ten games last year, Hayden Carlson would have started two or three. So that is, there's two things you can glean from that statement. One, how frustrated Butch Davis was with the quarterback play of the veterans, but two, how well that they felt Hayden Carlson was progressing. So you have to keep an eye on him. He's a redshirt freshman. The big thing with him is he did miss some time in this year's spring due to COVID. So didn't necessarily get the full spring to kind of get in there and compete for the role. He'll have a chance to kind of pick things up in the fall. And the last name is Grayson James, uh, another highly touted three-star recruit. This one is a true freshman coming out of Texas. And, uh, you know, I know you're, you're there in the Midwest, right? You know, yes, sir. You, know you know Texas quarterbacks, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So if you're a Texas quarterback and you put up the numbers that he did, throwing for over 10,000 yards in his high school career, the, that means you're a pretty talented player. And he's a guy whose recruitment may have kind of been hampered by COVID as well. Um, yeah, there, there's been some talk. I mean, he competed at the Elite 11 camps and things of that nature and some talk that had uh, not been a COVID year, he, he probably would have been a power five prospect. So he gets it in the fall. He is currently on campus at FIU. You want to see what happens when fall camp opens. So as far as the quarterbacks go, I mean, I was kind of giving you my quick assessment. I do believe that Max Borenschlager will start the year as the starter. Um, how much he's pushed by Hayden or, or, or 
Matt, excuse me, how much by Hayden or, or Kalen or Grayson, time will tell. But I do think just considering the fact that you have all the pieces in place, you have, uh, you know, some talented receivers and talented tight ends that we can get into. I think going with the veteran, and if Max does have that full offseason under his belt, there's no reason to believe that he can't at least, he, he may not be James Morgan, but there's no reason to believe that he can't be an above average conference USA quarterback. Yeah. 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 And, you know, to be honest, like I saw those names and kind of kept tabs on some of this from last year. A lot of the guys getting burned, all the guys getting some burn um, did not realize how jam packed this quarterback room was, which is why I like to have folks like you on because it's like, I, you know, you know, more so than I do. And it's very informative. And, you know, I'm going through my handwritten notes and my preview and my information and stuff right now and just kind of cross-referencing and just getting the nitty-gritty the n and g you know is what i like to call it um with this recruit of grace and james like you said texas quarterback that uh you know and i i frequently reference phil stills magazine you know everyone's got their own tools and everything but i seem to use any one that i can get my hands on and uh, Phil Steele was really high on this kid. Just to name a couple of random Texas quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Matt Stafford. Uh, just throw those out there. Um, you said something about these receivers, and you, you perked my interest there because this Nate Jefferson kid, the redshirt freshman, stands five foot 11, 170. You know, he interests me a lot. But then you guys also got Bryce Singleton and Shamar Thornton, some upperclassmen. And then you alluded to, you know, the tight end position having playmakers, uh, Sterling Palmer, another upperclassman, like you said, lots of pieces in place. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with the first name you mentioned, Nate Jefferson. Nate's an intriguing guy because first off, Nate Jefferson has elite track speed. I mean, he's yes. a guy who's four, 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 three type of type of speed. And when he was recruited again, another three-star recruit out of the Orlando area there, he was kind of the heir apparent. He was tabbed by Butch Davis as to be the heir apparent in the slot to former slot receiver Maurice Alexander, a guy who had a lot of success in former offensive coordinator Rich Skrosky's offense. So Nate has really played a fair amount, despite the fact that he is a redshirt freshman. Gotten four games, if, yeah, he gotten four games and kept his redshirt uh, in 2019, and then in 2020 really kind of looked for him to kind of break out a little bit, but again, it, everything with COVID and then, you know, the quarterback situation. So his numbers may not necessarily reflect how much playing time he's gotten. And especially in some of the fact that FIU, when he came in, there were multiple other three-star receivers came in with him. Guys like Chris Mitchell, who's still here. Uh, and is also an, a, a guy to keep a name, excuse me, a guy to keep an eye on. There we go. Um, uh, Xavier McGriff. I mean, there were a couple other three-star recruits who came in, but Nate is a guy who you would think at bare minimum, in the slot and in the return game, he'll make an impact. But the guys you really got to, in terms of the receiver position that you really got to look at are going to be the starters. Shamar Thornton. Shamar had an excellent 2019 year. I mean, he's a guy who really emerged in the early part of his career. He was fighting for playing time behind a lot of veteran receivers. I mentioned Maurice Alexander, Austin Maloney, you know, CJ Wharton, Thomas Owens was battling for playing time. And in 2019, he got his shot and really broke out was a, team's leading receiver and that again was with a, a very deep receiving core but you know he really stood out and in 2020 we we're really looking for him to maybe take that next step and kind of break into the upper echelon of conference usa receivers and just kind of through a freak accident he tears his hamstring before the yeah. season he actually yeah. just 
posted a tweet that I believe it was yesterday it was the one year anniversary of the day that he tore his hamstring. So you get an idea of how close we were to the start of fall camp before he tears his hamstring. So he misses all of last year. He's a guy to keep an eye on because I think if Shamar is fully healthy, he can be an upper echelon conference USA receiver. Bryce Singleton is another guy who's battle injuries. I mean, Bryce has all the physical gifts that you're looking for in a receiver, a little small on the smaller side, five ten, five eleven, buck 95, but plays well above his size. I mean, if you can go back and just Google Bryce Singleton catch Florida Atlantic, it's Odell Beckham esque. It's a one-handed stab right there in the end zone for a TD uh, 2019 year from, you know, kind of a dime there from James Morgan, but he's battled injuries as well. But Bryce is a, is a veteran. He's been with the program since 2017 was an all freshman performer his first year. A name to keep an eye on is USF transfer Randall St. Felix, mm. a guy who not really sure what happened his last two years at USF. You know, Jeff Scott comes in, takes over Charlie strong, new coaching staff, you know how that goes, but in his true freshman year, he was an all freshman performer at the American level. So it'll be interesting to see. And he's a Miami native. So maybe a return home, some familiar surroundings that'll help him out. But listen, if FIU can get the most out of those three guys, and then the final name to keep an eye on is Tyrese Chambers, who was an FCS all American at Sacred Heart. Butch Davis has raved about him. He, he's talked about the fact that he's a football junkie. Whenever, you know, Butch Davis is in his recruitment, asked him, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to catch some passes. What are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to run routes. So Tyrese has really made an impact. And again, when you talk about a veteran coach and Butch Davis, he is someone who I wouldn't say is effusive with his praise. He, he, he is not a guy who's going to just go out there and praise people unless it's really earned. And Tyrese has come in and seemingly, you know, since the spring has really kind of earned his spot. So receiver, they're four or five deep of names I just mentioned there that if you get the best out of those guys, I've said this been on the record, whether it's been on radio or other podcasts. I think FIU's receiver group has the highest potential ceiling of almost any receiver group in Conference USA. It really maybe UTEP having two guys there and Jacob Cowing and Justin Garrett, two um, you know, top end guys. Maybe they're a little bit, you know, in terms of their ceiling, maybe a little bit higher, but FIU's right there. And I'll quickly touch on the tight ends. Sterling Palmer, you mentioned a veteran, upperclassman. He's looking to rebound. The past few years have been, I don't want to say shaky, but again, with COVID. He didn't get the chance to fully develop last year. And then the year before, something that's interesting, Devin, is he had a standout freshman year. It was, again, uh, all-conference con- all USA all-freshman team. I believe was part of the all-bowl team. Phil Steele might have been uh, his all-freshman team as well. Um, I can't remember if it was that or Athlon Sports. Sorry, memory. I just can't pick it up right now offhand. But had a really good freshman year. But he was part of a tight end room that was all-freshman. He didn't have a veteran to learn from. And that's something that tight end coach Drew Davis mentioned to me that, you know, really his development, he's had to learn on the fly. He didn't have a senior to learn from and show on the rope. So now entering what would be his quote unquote senior year, but still junior due to the, due to the NCAA rules, they feel that he's more developed, more well-rounded as a, as a receiver and as a blocker. And I do look for big things from Sterling, but Rivaldo Fairweather as well. I mean, he just really broke out last year. Again, one of the few bright spots. The numbers aren't going to wow you, right? Because FIU only played five games. I believe it's 11 catches for a buck 65. But when you look at just a, a guy, Devin, who, and this is a classic South Florida football story, a guy who has only played football for a handful of years, was a basketball player. You know, you get a lot of raw talents down here in South Florida, guys who, for whatever reason, only played one year of, of high school football or two years of high school football. It's not like if you're in Ohio or Pennsylvania or, or you know, Texas, you've been playing football since, you know, your fifth grade or fourth grade. 
he, he was a hooper. And even in high school, they put him at defensive end, at safety, at tight end. Last year was his first full year as a tight end. And to have that kind of production is really exciting. A guy who's 6'5", 245, and still has a 40 and a 4 fours. I mean, I, at the conference USA level, there aren't very many linebackers and safeties that can compete with that. The athleticism that was in, I will say, size, that what you guys seem to bring in this offseason was huge because you'd mentioned that the more dynamic receivers in that core, a little more speedsters, a little less size to their frame. But you look at the size of the USF transfer, he's 6'2", over 200. And then that sacred heart transfer, I'm so glad that you brought Tyrese Chambers up because that kid is spectacular. Um, he is right here. I got my notes. If I can read correctly, six, one, one So he's got a little more size to him also. And, uh, I'm really just excited to see the raw athleticism of the tight end group, the freshman that you just spoke of. And there are a lot of weapons, you know, um, in this, uh, group here of pass catchers and I just wanted to connect a couple of dots to Liberty from FIU here you know because it was something that I remembered but I didn't re-remember until I was doing some digging but uh, the former Georgia whiteout obvious connection with the SEC uh, you know Butch Davis but uh, J.J. Holloman you know he was definitely I, I remember him being a very high recruit coming out of high, he was like a four star if I remember right, but he went on he hit the portal again, which he would have been very interesting to see with the rest of the group of the guys is what I was getting at. Uh, didn't work for obvious reasons of which you may know of, but uh, yeah he went he went on to Liberty so that that kind of little dot connection there is all I was trying to get at. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on some of the coaches, you know, just kind of like that collection of coaches that have been brought around, you know, uh, Eric, or I'm sorry, Everett Withers, uh, new defensive coordinator, had some run over at Ohio State, first-year special team coordinator in Casey Horney. He was an assistant at Texas for the last four years. Um I mean, I, I, I like this collection of coaching staff, like I said. I think Butch Davis is starting to build some guys around him. And you look at those 18, the 17, 18, 19 results. I mean, you guys were there. I mean, it was 8-5, and 9-4, and 6-7. And, and look, I'm, I'm high on you guys. Uh, I really like the coaches. Yeah, sure. I mean, you talk about Everett Withers and – that's, of course, Butch Davis's former defensive coordinator in North Carolina. So they have a long-standing relationship. And Everett Withers was actually tabbed to be the defensive coordinator after the retirement of Brent Guy following the 2018 season. But due to a last-minute conflict, Coach Withers received an offer from the New York Giants. And again, he and Butch Davis have a long-standing relationship. So it wasn't like Butch Davis was going to hold him up and prevent him from taking that opportunity. Fast forward two seasons later, now Everett Withers is the guy and with a veteran defensive coordinator like Everett, you have to expect that there's at least going to be a progression in the defense because while the secondary performed really well, what's been the Achilles heel for this defense has been run defense. And the past 31 games, they've allowed over 160 yards rushing 18 times. 
12 of those times they've gone over 180 and nine of those times have gone over 200 yards. So with Everett Withers arrival, expect uh, some improvements with the defense, the coaching staff, excuse me, the players have really raved about the new defensive coaching staff. They've said things that, for example, that the defense is more simple. And, I, and listen, I am not qualified to say whether or not the defense was complex, but when you talk from some of the veterans like Richard and Richard Dames, Daniel Jackson and others, they say that the defense is more simplistic and will allow them just to kind of read and react and make plays. You talk about Casey Horney, who had spent nine years at Baylor under Art Bryles, and then from there uh, spent four years at Texas. So, you know, he's been with some big time programs as well. And uh, we'll have to see what happens as far as him being the special teams so far. Uh, Bush Davis is another guy that he's really raved about as far as what he's wanting to do with the special teams. A lot of new coaches overall, when you look at last year's staff, the only holdovers are Joel Rodriguez. Sean Binks was a GA last year is now taking over as the running backs coach, but Joel Rodriguez at the offensive line. And of course, Butch Davis's son drew as a tight ends coach. And last but not least, Bryn Renner was a cornerbacks coach last year, switches over to the quarterbacks. Those are your holdovers, but a new offensive coordinator, Andrew Briner, for those of you who may not be familiar, Andrew Briner is from the Joe Moorhead coaching tree. Of course, Joe Moorhead, one of the early innovators of the RPO offense. So do expect to see some of those principles. Butch Davis is noted when he talked about the decision to go away from former offensive coordinator, Rich Skrosky and to Andrew Briner. He noted for the need for the offense to evolve. And when you kind of get into that a little bit, it, it, it's again, I, I am not going to speak for Butch Davis, but what he's kind of hinted at is that with the multiple tight ends and multiple running backs that they've recruited, he kind of wanted to get out of being in 11 personnel all the time, or, you know, wanted more personnel groupings that were going to allow for multiple tight ends, multiple backs to be on the field and utilized at once and, you know, can kind of show defenses a, a different look. And again, when you look at the athletes they've recruited, you can understand why he may want to take that approach. So uh, again, uh, really, in a, I don't want to say an entire new coaching staff, but if you go down the list, uh, new, new, well, again, Bryn Renner was with the cornerbacks, now with the cornerbacks. So new quarterbacks coach, new running backs coach, new receivers coach, Andrew Briner is coaching the, the receivers as well as the offensive coordinator. Uh, tight end offensive line stays the same. New defensive line coach and Deke Adams, who comes over from Ole Miss. New linebackers coach is uh, Randall McCray, who came from the Arizona Cardinals. New cornerbacks coach and Brandon Harris, who was last year a GA at Florida State. Uh, Everett Withers is handling the safeties and the defensive coordinator. Of course, new defensive coordinator as well. And new special teams coach in Casey Horney. So overall, an entire new staff. Yeah, I but I believe a lot of good improvements to be had here with philosophies and such. Um, you alluded to the getting out of the 11 personnel stuff, showing some different things. Just look at what Briner did with the run game at Fordham. I believe he had Chase Edmonds there. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, lots of different wrinkles. Um, sure, they, they could get downhill, look at Chase Edmonds' running style, but he's also an elusive pass-catching pass let me try to talk here, Eric, back. And, uh, yeah, so, I, again, another wrinkle uh, that could definitely be unraveled in y'all's offense this year. Well, I was uh, looking at the Vegas win totals because that's what one does when they're a betting degenerate like myself. And uh, four and a half is set for the win total right now. I'm looking at VegasInsider.com. My bookie, our show sponsors, starting to upload more and more teams win totals now that, you know, spring practices, all that good stuff, publications are out, media days. I was hoping, if you've got the time, Eric, 
was hoping we could maybe breeze through this schedule and uh, see what we think. Because right now, I, you know, like I said, I'm high on you guys, but there is a tough conference schedule that you guys got to go through at the back end. Um, and I just, I want to get your uh, honest opinion and I want to see which way you think I should go since you know this team better than anyone I've spoken to. So, well, uh, I mean, that's not a problem. We can go through the schedule. I will give this, give this disclaimer. This information is for entertainment purposes only. So I just want to yes. clarify that, yes. but uh, go yes. ahead, man. We can, we, can, uh, we can run it down. Absolutely. Yeah. Off the record, we will not hold you to the coals. Uh, listeners will not send you hate mail. I promise. <laughs> uh, Long Island, Texas, Tech, uh, Texas State was looking at Texas State and Texas Tech, and it came out Texas Tech. That's interesting. Um, Long Island, Texas State for the first two games. Win-win is my opinion. <laughs> well, okay. Here's the deal. FIU has not won a game since they beat Miami in 2019, right? I, I used to know the number of days off the top of my head. Unfortunately, you know, for Panthers fans, uh, it's kind of extended far enough to where I don't know that number, but let's just say <laughs> it's, a, it's been a while. They have to beat Long Island. Yeah. If they don't, it's, and listen, I, I'm not a believer in, in, in that says as a media person in the make or break or must win. I, I think we overuse those cliches in media. However, just for this team's confidence, they need to win. And, you know, this is something I plan on asking Butch Davis. If he feels that that locker room, just for their own confidence, that they, they just need to not be in the losing locker room. So um, Long Island, I will say is a win. Texas State is interesting. Devin, because you look at that program and they're in a similar position like FIU. Sure. Jake Spavitas entering his third year. He took over for Everett Withers, ironically. Oh, yeah. Texas State head coach. So Jake Spavitas looking to rebuild that program. When you look at Texas State last year, they played some teams tough. You know, they, they, while they went two and 10, I want to say they had a handful of games, maybe three or four games that were um, decided by seven points or less or 10 points or less. So, that's crucial because guess what? Texas State's looking to come in, and and I, I the reason I mentioned Jake Spavitar being in his third year, I two and ten last year. I think he was one in eleven, or maybe two and ten his first year. So he's just as desperate to come out and you know get his season going with with early wins. So that's one that while I am picking FIU, don't think that that's just going to be a you know a pushover game by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, absolutely! Um, plenty of offense on that team. Still working through some defensive issues. Um, specifically run defense. And I think that Devonta Price will be able to have some success in that game, but it should offer fireworks. Absolutely. Um, definitely not a quote unquote lock. Um, Texas Tech, big 12 folk down big 12. Well, can, it's still technically the big 12, so I'm rolling with it. But <laughs> <laughs> by the time we finish recording this, it might not It be, may not be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did get the show transfer in from Oregon. Um, so Texas tech, I mean, this is going to be a tough one. I, I hate to be the big 12 guy to say that FIU is going to lose. And, uh, hopefully I can get you back on the show after saying that, but, uh, Texas tech, I think is just going to be a little bit too much and, uh, just kind of talent pool disparity, just, uh, David versus Goliath narrative, if you will. I mean, I hate to use it, but I think it's just going to be a little too much. Uh, sure, yeah. Well, first off, you know, win, lose, or draw, I'm I'm available. So, you know, I have to worry whether or not the Panthers <laughs> lose are getting me on a show. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I do think that 
it, it'll be interesting because again, FIU, when you look at their just sheer talent perspective, I, I wouldn't say the talent quote unquote is David versus Goliath because sure. the Panthers have had one of the top recruiting classes in conference USA since Butch Davis has arrived. All of his recruiting classes have been top four, but I think in terms of actual production and just, you know, where each program is at in that sense, I, I would lean more towards tech. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Butch Davis definitely closing the gap on the power five schools with his talent, doing a great job at it. Um, Central Michigan, this is a true coin flip. And for me, a conference USA and a Mac game, uh, September 25th, I don't know what day of the week that is. I think it's probably a Saturday, but I sign me up for it. I, I love the Mac. I love the conference USA and uh, get some cross-platform action here. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, are, are you are you uh, picking a winner in that game, or am I, am I uh, you want me to kind of give you my thoughts? Uh, you know, I don't know if I can yet. I'm going to be that guy. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I lean FIU, but Central Michigan, I think they can be a sleeper in the MAC this year, and further down the road in the schedule or in the season, I think that this win would look really really well or really good whatever the proper grammar use would be uh would look really good for florida international because i think central michigan is going to be a bit better than what people are thinking this year yeah so right now you know i am very much split on that game because you look at central michigan they're in a similar position as uh not necessarily texas state because jim McElwain there they've had more success than texas state has but that's a very good g5 program and FIU has to go to the road to Mount Pleasant, uh, you know, September that that weather could be a little chilly. You don't know. So that's going to be a toss up in my opinion. You know, I, I wouldn't pick that one just yet, but I'd say that's going to be a toss up. I, I will say this. I will, I'll quickly, you know, as we're going on the schedule, uh, this has kind of been my, my talking point, Devin, as far as FIU and like their overall success for 2021. I think that four game stretch is crucial because if you come out three and one, Mm-hmm. then you're in really good position once you enter CUSA play. You yes. come out two and two, eh, it's still 50-50 because of the next game on the schedule at FAU, a team you haven't beaten since 2016. If you come out one and three, then things have the potential to go off the rails. Again, you go to FAU versus Charlotte versus Western Kentucky at Marshall. Mm. All of those games are very much toss-ups. I mean, FAU, again, you probably lean more FAU right now. At Marshall, you would lean more Marshall. The, the Charlotte and Western Kentucky games are toss-ups, but so let's say if you come out one and three and then you go best case scenario, two and two there, you're now what three and five, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're really, really putting a lot of pressure. I mean, just do the quick math here. You got to go at least three out of the last four there to qualify for a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Butch, like I said, before the weird 2020 year, what he had y'all bowling three years in a row, I feel strongly that they get, to a bowl game this year, albeit with this, you know, you talk about the tough start to the conference play. A lot of those coin flips, I think Marshall's going to be down this year. I think replacing Doc Holliday was a mistake, even though Marshall's returning so much of that successful offensive line in, re- in regards to like line yards and all that. Uh, but yes, that is a game that Butch Davis is going to have his guys prepared for, and they're going to get every bit of the Panthers that they're going to want. Uh, talking about the thundering herd there. Western Kentucky, like all four of these games, definitely toss-ups for me. But like you said, I would lean 
with you uh, getting that significant road win. And now they got to go on the road three games in a row going Texas Tech, Central Michigan, FAU. But, uh, you know, thankfully for Florida Atlantic or Florida International, Florida Atlantic is in Florida. So a little less travel there, get a little more prep and recovery time at home. Charlotte, I think that they definitely can get them 100%. Charlotte's a little bit middling, in my opinion. Uh, Really looking forward to what they do this year in conference. But again, I really just like what Butch Davis is doing here with your guys' team. And then, of course, getting Old Dominion uh, at home in between Marshall and Middle Tennessee is huge. Got to probably assume and chalk that up for a win old dominion a little behind uh didn't have a season at all last year if i remember right yeah yeah with ou they chose to opt out last yeah yeah you are correct yeah uh middle tennessee you know they they've got a lot of stuff to figure out so i think that fiu wins that one and then the last two you know these are some pretty tough games here uh Trail and North Texas and then Frank Gore Jr. over at Southern Miss you know these uh two teams here very interesting in my opinion I think Southern Miss has more success in the conference this year than what folks are thinking I think North Texas actually is more of a middling club I think they take a half step back I could definitely see FIU finishing their last four games three and one um definitely the two against Old Dominion and Middle Tennessee I think they'll probably split the North Texas Southern Miss games to end the season. But ultimately, I personally feel that over four and a half is a good look, even though they're facing some tough conference opponents. But they've had some success against these opponents in most recent years, uh, pre-COVID and such. Yeah, well, I will say this. I I will caution you in terms of Middle Tennessee. They, of course – lost the last two years against Middle Tennessee. And then the 2018 game, that game came down to a, a last-second interception, Olin Cushion picking off Asher O'Hara, who came in relief of uh, Brent Stock still there. I remember that game because it was one of the most exciting games really in the history of FIU Stadium, no longer Ricardo Silva Stadium. But again, uh, Middle Tennessee's had the Panthers number, so you definitely want to caution against that one. Old Dominion, I can understand what you're saying. They are very much rebuilding and did not play last year. North Texas and Southern Miss are interesting. I, I, when I look at Seth Luttrell, their biggest thing is they haven't been able to keep points off of the scoreboard. They're under third defensive coordinator as many years. They are turning to Phil Bennett to turn around that defense that allowed almost 39 points per game last year. Offensively, they haven't had an issue. I mean, the run game is very strong. They had three rushers over 500 yards last year, and they'll be led by Oscar Attaway third and DeAndre Torrey. Of course, Trey Siggers took his talents to SMU. Um, so we'll see what happens with North Texas. That's a game that, you know, they do come to Miami Southern Miss final one at home. I am a little more optimistic like you on Southern Miss and maybe some people are, because when you look at their schedule last year, first off, they had three head coaches. I just a, a level of tumultuousness there with the head coach position. And then you include opt-outs and things of that nature. Of course, going through the COVID year, their quarterback opted out midway through the year. And yet three of their losses were by seven points or less. Two of them were by a field goal or less. So Again, Southern Miss, that's a team led by Frank Gore Jr. West Virginia transfer Trey Lowe, his first full offseason as a football player, because, of course, he uh, played baseball the past few years. So that could be interesting as well. But uh, if I guess if I had to pick those four games, I would lean more towards ODU as a win. 
I genuinely think all three are toss-ups. Maybe the one that I feel most confident about would be the Southern Miss game. But those other two, I mean, you know, Floyd Stadium has been a house of horrors for the Panthers <laughs> for the past few trips there. So uh, that one always gets dicey, and North Texas is a really high-powered offense. So we'll see. Yeah. Lots of things to keep an eye out on throughout the course of this schedule, for sure. Lots of development to be had and a lot of uh, opportunities for these players and coaches to really gel. So really looking forward to it. And I had one last question for you, and then I promise I'll let you off the hook, Eric. What's up, my man? Out of the most recent – or the, you, you said you've been – Covering uh, FIU for, what, five years now is what you said? Uh, entering my fifth season, yeah. So fifth four season, years, yeah. five seasons. Entering, yeah. So going into your fifth season, and you've referenced a couple of amazing FIU games in the past here recently. If you had one that was more unforgettable, that you think is more just ingrained in your brain, maybe a piece you wrote about or a game that you were at, what's the game, a favorite game of yours that you've had to, or not had to cover, that makes it sound bad, but that you have <laughs> covered <laughs> for the Panthers so far in this career of yours? It's hard to choose one, so I will give you three. I mean, of course, you got to start with the Miami game, right? Yes. That was such a – and listen, you know, I, I'm objective. I don't have a rooting interest one way or the other. But when you consider the way that season had played out, all of the expectations that went into the 2019 season overall was disappointing to finish the year at six and seven for that program, for that team. But they had James Morgan. They had Stanley Thomas Oliver. They had T.R. Tart. These are all guys who either drafted or played in the NFL last year. And yet the team really underachieved, especially starting the year 0-2. So just the way that that season had played out, no one was counting the Panthers, I, you know, give them a chance to win that game. And Devin, I'll give you this. One of the more surreal things that I think I've ever been a part of as, as a journalist is FIU was the home team, right? That game was played at Marlins Park, the home of the MLB's Miami Marlins. FIU was the quote unquote home team. And of course you're thinking, all right, everyone knows it's the Hurricanes. They're the, the quote unquote top draw in South Florida. But I was at least expecting that it would be, you know, I don't know, 50-50 maybe as far as crowd reaction in terms of when the teams were introduced. Sure. And it, you got to remember, for, again, for your listeners who may not know this, Marlins Park is on the old grounds of the former Orange Bowl. Of course, the home of the legendary home of the Hurricanes. Wow, I, I didn't know that. I did Yeah, it's on the, it was on the exact grounds. And it was 95-5, Devin. I mean, it was loud cheers. It looked as if it was a Miami home game. And Miami took the field first. When FIU took the field, it was resounding booze. And I remember tweeting that out. I, I maybe, you know, uh, for, uh, for some fun, maybe I'll find that tweet and DM it to you after this. <laughs> you couldn't, I mean, it sounded like they were on the road at Alabama. And the fact that they countered all of that, all of the circumstances, and still won that game. You know, again, I don't have a rooting interest, but I couldn't help but be happy for the guys in that locker room. So many of them are Miami natives to come out in their home city and, and get booed you know, to get a chance to have the last laugh there. So that's one. I'd say the second was that middle Tennessee state game only because that was really the game that allowed them to it put them in first place in conference USA East and really buoyed them to a uh, nine win year. Again, came down to really the last, uh, last 30 seconds of the game, 28, uh, 25 final score. Asher O'Hara throws a, uh, a game, uh, excuse me, throws a pass that would have won the game. Olin Cushion, a five, eight safety jumps in front of it at the end picks it off. I mean, I've never heard that stadium as loud as I heard it 
that day. And then probably a third, hmm, if I were to pick a third, I would say, unfortunately, that there have been games that were either um, blowouts or, or, you know, not particularly, cl- uh, you know, really interesting games per se. But if I were to give a third, I would probably say, I mean, this one's going to be a FIU loss, one that was back and forth, but I'd probably have to go with the Cure, see, not the Cure Bowl. Um, I covered that game last year. That was Liberty in Coastal Carolina. The Camellia Bowl, 2020 mm-hmm. Camellia Bowl from the 2019 year. Uh, that game was played in Montgomery, Alabama. And that was one that the Panthers, again, you want to talk about this, a contrast of two styles. Arkansas State led by, at the time, Blake Anderson, high-powered offense, you know, mm-hmm. going to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game. FIU, great pass defense. And that one was back and forth, came down to the last, you know, last few possessions. And of course, Arkansas State got the win at the end. But that was a really, you know, entertaining game to cover as well. I could only imagine how exciting all three of those games were going to be. I was look, I'm looking past the last four years of games here for FIU. And on that third one, I was sitting here trying to figure out which one you were going to go with. I was a little off. I thought you were going to go with the Marshall overtime loss uh, in 2019 in the season because I remember that game and that was that was a bit crazy. Um, but yes, all three of those games, great, phenomenal selections. Got to throw a bowl game in there. That, that Arkansas State game, I remember when the bowl games were released for that you know, year. I remember looking at that one saying what you just said. Wow, those are conflicting styles. Like That's, that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then look what happened. It was back and forth. It was uh, exciting. Uh, unfortunately, FIU got the, lo- the loss, but nonetheless, exciting like you said. Uh, side note here, Eric, uh, FIU's only lost by a combined six points the last – Two times they've played Marshall. So I think they get their numbers yeah, here. Yeah. So uh, just throwing that out there. Um, man, well, Eric, this was fun, boss. I did not expect that I was going to be able to have such amazing insight on Florida International going into my prep and college football work going into this season. So, again, I've got to thank you a million times over. And please, please, please – for the listener's sake, you know, other than, you know, Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation, you know, is there any other stuff that you would like to plug or just, again, talk about yourself? And I'm putting you in an awkward position again because you talked about, you know, you're used to like hosting and like you don't talk about yourself. But anything else about you that you want the hoop ballers to know about? Uh, no, nothing about myself personally, but sure. about my work. I, your I, I work, say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no big deal, man. I can say this. You know, first off, appreciate you having me on. Not a problem. I always enjoy getting a chance to do these preaches and interviews. So, um, you know, always have the time, and you know how to find me. But for those of you who don't know how to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C Henry underscore for FIU coverage and, of course, Conference USA as a whole. Conference with the coverage as well. UnderdogDynasty.com, Underdog Dynasty at Twitter for all of our group of five football coverage. And if you want to take a listen to the Shula Bowl, you know, we talk FAU, FIU, hijinks, uh, sometimes greater conference USA stuff. You can find us at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter, five recent sports, home for South Florida sports news. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much outside of it. I mean, I, I won't plug my uh, my South Florida radio appearances. Well, you know, okay, I guess I'll say this. If, if you are interested, um, you know, typically during the year, do a, a weekly South Florida radio appearance on 560 
Um, you can find it on Mondays and Tuesdays. It's the South Florida High School Sports Show, but we get into both South Florida High School Sports and FAU and FIU as well. So you can find that on 560. Perfect. I'm always looking for more of your content, so I'm glad you decided to share the radio stuff. Uh, I, I'm a big proponent of AM, FM, right? I, I just love old school radio. Like just, I, I want to own an AM radio station one day, so I still love supporting it. Um, again, hoop ballers. <laughs> That was Eric, the Eric Henry, I should say, beat writer for the Florida International Panthers. Uh, I couldn't have had more fun in any way imaginable talking about FIU in this beautiful Saturday. Um, hope, I mean, going to be talking about them on a lot of different Saturdays here soon, and that's just wonderful, beautiful news. So, who ballers, you know how it goes. I'm always sending you all of my good vibes and all of my good energies. I hope you have a safe, wonderful day out there today. Do something kind for someone if you can. And today in sports betting is out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.